listening to She's a Powerhouse. My name is Holly Calloway, and I'm here to share with you some stories of ordinary women who have done some extraordinary things in hopes that you'll get comfortable being uncomfortable, be okay with pushing your boundaries, and do some extraordinary things yourself. All right, welcome to another episode of She's a Powerhouse. Today, we have a guest on that I'm really excited about. Her name is Dawn Sizer. She owns Third Element Consulting, Third Element Consulting, and it is an all-female-owned tech company. Super cool in my book because you don't find very many women, very many women in tech spaces. I love when we find women in spaces that are predominantly run by men. I think it's an awesome power move. She's brilliant, um, and she's got some things to bring for us, so we're going to go ahead and hop on in. Thank you, Dawn, so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, ma'am. So your company has been around since 2006, which is amazing staying power in general. Like you started up and then went through a recession and now we've been through the crazy of COVID and everything else. Tell us about third element consulting and what you do and, and how you sort of broke into that spaces. I don't want to say like, just tell me how you broke into the space. Let's go. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's actually go back just a little bit further. And I think it'll make a little bit more sense. So College wise, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, mid nineties for me, which was a long time ago, but I mean, I went to college for naval architectural engineering and that has absolutely nothing to do with it. And (laughs) what I found out was a lot of times, you know, you're trying to get plans ready or whatever for a class and stuff's broken. So I ended up being a self-rescuing princess and fixing all of the things that were constantly broken. The plotter's broken, the PC's broken, you know, everything's broken. Penn State had a horrible IT department. They never fixed anything. I love you for just throwing them under the bus. (laughs) It was awful. Perfect. It was awful. And I was paying for that and I was not happy about it. Right. Um, So, you know, so there we are. That's how you, you get started into something. It's not necessarily where you thought you were going, but that's where you ended up because that's where the circumstances took you. So I did that for a while, got into IT, you know, started, you know, kind of working my way up from, you know, answering the phone to like, oh, she actually does have a brain and can do something. So, you know, it started into, you know, more things that made a little bit more sense, more sense, more sense. Then I was a service manager somewhere and then I was a, you know, something else somewhere else. And then in actually 2005, um, my my very last job where I worked for someone else, um, I quit, I like literally rage quit my job. Amazing. Like, I love that. <laughs> like, type, type something up on my, on my computer, printed it out, whatever, and slammed it down and left. Like that Beautiful. was it. Awesome. And, and it had to do with somebody actually sexually harassing me. And it was the oh, boss at the time. And I was like, this is it. I'm done. So the next day, and the crazier part of all of this is that my husband and I worked at the same company at the time. And the next day he quits his job, like right after me. So we now have a, an entire household. We have a house, we have a mortgage, we have two small children, we have vehicle payments, we have money that has to go somewhere, and neither one of us have a job. And we're like, so what's the plan? (laughs) So uh, so we spun up um, an actual subsidiary of another uh, company at the time. They were a security group. They were looking for IT people. They could basically come in and translate security to IT, and especially that IT section that sits in the middle when you have you know a large campus full of people and you have a security division that actually runs like physical security and then you have you know it or ops or you know whatever it is that they want to call themselves over here on the other side you actually need that third party that sits in the middle Mm -hmm. that says okay we can take you know whatever you're doing with security we can it for you essentially 
you know, unwinding it, making sure that everybody gets what they need to have and mm-hmm. it gets installed correctly. People get trained on it. You know, they understand how it works. And that's how we became the third element in that, that scenario. Sense. I love that. And we stayed as a subsidiary for a year and then we um, spun up into a full corporation the year after that. And from there on out, it was just a whole lot of like, we had, we still had no money because when you first start a company, there's, there's no money because you only have so many clients and we had an employee at the time and we paid our employee and did not pay ourselves. So it was a year and a half until we took a paycheck. Oh my goodness. That was a little rough. Um, I was going to say, what do you do for, what do you do for a year and a half? I mean, I know like certain bills have to be paid, right? Or the electric gets turned off and you get booted from your house. Like you still have to pay your mortgage. You still have to pay these things. I mean, we had the best thing I can ever tell anybody is always have a number of months set aside of every single expense that you could possibly ever have. And, you know, before you rage, quit your job, before you rage, quit your job, preferably, um, you know, your choice, whatever. Uh, but literally like if you can have three months, four months, that kind of thing, that gets you a little bit of, you know, that buffer that you kind of need to keep things going. And then you can really pare down your expenses, get rid of absolutely everything that you don't need, you know, no, you don't need new clothes. No, you don't need to go out to eat, you know, you know, those kinds of things. And then you stretch it out a couple months and then you kind of shuffle payments around all over the place. You're still paying your bills, but you have to leverage everything that you've got to keep it going. And that's where we had gotten to. And we were just kind of down to the end. And then all of a sudden, you know, clients picked up, we had all kinds of stuff and it just, we were able to like start paying it back little by little. So we had, you know, no loans, no nothing. Everything was self done. We call it bootstrapping. Yeah, it's exactly. Up by your bootstraps. Yeah, and I don't necessarily recommend that. It's <sighs> it is a very difficult way of going at it, but it worked for us, and it, I don't regret doing it. But mm. I wish it wasn't that difficult. That's I think yeah I think that's a common sentiment for people who decide to just go for it. Is I made it way harder on myself than I needed to, but I feel like it's not uncommon either to kind of do our own version of rage quit. There's yeah. you know what I mean there was, um, so fun, similar story. And I don't necessarily need to rabbit hole very far, but I'm a chiropractor turned business strategist. So I I feel that, right? Yes. Why not? (laughs) And the last time I worked for somebody, he, I, it was another chiropractor and I was an associate in the office. And I said, my son is projectile vomiting, which is beautiful for a one-year-old. And he said, well, bring him to the office. And I said, I don't think you heard me. I don't think that's a thing I can do, but I need to go pick him up because my husband at the time was making way more money than I I was without a doctorate for the record. And I was like, he can't leave work. I'm going to need to, you either have to come cover the officer. I'm, I need to leave. And he said, well, if you go now, I guess you're done. And that was my choice. I was like, I'm definitely picking my child, right? (laughs) Okay. And I'm done. So that was, and we've bootstrapped from there. I mean, my husband did have work from then, but it wasn't enough to cover everything. And since then I've been, you know, building up. So I feel that in you and it's, I, I resonate with you so hard with that. And I'm sure lots of people do that moment of guess we're going to figure this out. And you just kind of pull the rug <laughs> yeah. and go for it, which is amazing. Now tell me about how old are your kids now? How old were they when you, uh, were trying to kind of get started? Oh my up? gosh, you're making me math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my oldest was about seven. And the younger one would have been about four at the time. Yeah, that's, that's, 
Yeah, three or four. It would have been three or four. And the other one would have been about six or seven. Yeah. That's a fun couple of years to be like, well, super high stress. Let's make yeah, this work fine. with some babies. And to add to that, you have special needs babies. I do. My oldest one is autistic and the younger one is just ADHD. So it's it's just kind of like, <laughs> he's, he's a whole lot of like, I'm super smart, but there's a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What has it been like um, in in our correspondence? You sent that you you're even writing a book on how you raised your autistic son, and that yeah. is so amazing to me. Having, I mean, I have a background obviously in neurology, and have started looking at neurodiversity and the things that that means on like an autism spectrum and even ADHD. What's that been like with the addition of running your own business and raising this amazing child? You, you know, I want to say that. There's all kinds of craziness that goes with it. But the truth of the matter is it's all I know. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay it because this is not the easiest thing on the planet running a business, right? Having a child that has trouble communicating, not the easiest thing, especially when you're like, you're waiting until they're four years old before they even call you mom. Mm. Oh, and you're, right. Mm -hmm. So as a mom, you know what that's like. So that didn't happen until he was about four. And there we are thinking, okay, he's communicating. We're figuring out ways to do this. We're learning sign language where, and I'm still talking with my hands. Um, so <laughs> you'll see me doing that still. So I stopped signing at least when I, when I do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you find ways around everything and you compensate. It's not easy. You spend a lot more hours than you probably have to, but yeah, we took all the all of the craziness that goes into my son's name is Connor, all the craziness that goes into Connor. And we started realizing that not all parents do what we've done. And, mm -hmm. and again, it's that whole, this is all we know. Why wouldn't other parents do this? And then when you talk to, you know, your speaks language pathologist and you're talking to your, you know, your myriad of therapists that you deal with when you have a special needs child and they're all like, yeah, not all parents are like you guys. And you're like, all right. And you're like, oh, so what did you do that got him to here? Because some days like with him, the light bulb just turns on one day and like, you've been trying and trying and trying and nothing happens. And then like, poof, like all of a sudden it just works. Like, really? This is what we, you know, it's like, you just keep pushing this, this horrible rock up the hill for so long. And then like, all of a sudden it goes down the other side and you're like, really? <laughs> we could have had a shorter hill. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's, it's and the thing with autistic people is that when you know one autistic person, you know, one autistic person is the, mm. is the big thing. And he's kind of the same way. Like he has, he's very smart. He likes to help out. He's a really good person. I mean, like deep down, he's just a good person and you mm. can't help but like not like good people, but he has trouble communicating. So for us, it was just a matter of finding a way to communicate appropriate with appropriately with him and he likes to text. So we text him a lot and it actually is better even like standing a room away to like text the kid and, and you get a better response. It's, it's weird, but so yeah, we're writing a book about all the craziness that has gone into that. And, um, I, should, I say we, but it's really me. My husband just like throws in a comment now and then, and I, I write that down, but yeah. That's, that's what it takes. I love that you've done all of these things together. Now I'm going to go way back because I like to have as many, um, connection points as we can. You seem to adapt very well to whatever you, I mean, I, I find with people who use language, like it's all I know, 
right? Like I, I get tossed into a situation and I figure it out. Not everybody recognizes that in Marie Forleo's words, things are figure outable, right? They, right. they feel the weight of whatever's around them, especially when it's outside of what they consider to be normal. If we go back to, let's say, even the way you grew up, the things that happened in your house as a, as a young one, were there things that you feel like lent to being the type of person who's better at adapting to the situations that's happening, that are happening around you? Wow. So, um, <laughs> I grew up in a household that most people would consider abusive and crazy. Um, I had one parent that was a narcissist. The other one was an enabler and it was, it was physically abusive. It was mentally abusive. It was, it was a little crazy to grow up in. And you, again, that was all I knew. I thought that was normal until I had a, you know, outside relationships with other people or went to a friend's house and they're like, mm, something's not right here. And I'm pretty sure it's me. So, you know, figuring that out. And I think some of that too is taking the tech part of all of this and probably any tech person that you talk to and you're like, well, what, what, what's the passion of the tech? Why do you, what do you do what you do? And most of them aren't going to tell you that, well, I really like the, the gizmos and gadgets and the cool stuff. It's not about this stuff. It's about the puzzle. Mm -hmm. How do I figure out what it is that you want to do with the stuff? And I think that's part of it. It's the, the puzzle, figure it out piece. I think a lot of us have that. Yeah. Absolutely. That, does it make sense? It totally does. We so I, about, I answered that in a really like roundabout, roundabout way, way but, but it was beautiful. It was perfect. We've, um, I've recently dove into my own ADHD tendencies. I've never been properly diagnosed, but if you go down the list of things that adult women with ADHD tend to do our tendencies, um, I have, you know, 14 out of 15 of them. I do all, all of the things as an adult. And so I would bring it up in our, you know, our little Facebook group, our little Facebook group, our big Facebook group, um, and say like, does anybody else do this? Like, is this how you find things? Or is this, you know, the puzzle? Do you like figuring out the puzzle? There's so many of us that are starters that are really not as good with follow through because we love the ideation, the something new, what order would we have to put things in to make this happen? Or what would we have to get done? Or we could try it this way or do that or whatever, and all the different pathways. Um, and the more we talked it out, the more I recognized that people who aren't necessarily neurotypical feel more likely to go down the path of doing something that's not typical. So like people who think differently anyway, feel more likely to go down a path of, I'm going to do something outside of the box, which in the society we live in is definitely entrepreneurship. Most people go through the grow up, go to college, get a job you know, try to live or work till you're 65 and take your two week vacation and, and whatever. And those of us who are like, nope, that's a box. I don't want to be in that box. So I'm going to go do this other thing. This happens to be the other thing is running your own business, doing your own thing. However difficult that might seem. And we're really good at pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're really good at going, okay, so options A through C didn't work, but I've got options D, E, and F still to try. So I'm going to go ahead and do those things. And those feel that way. Do you have any of those neurodivergent qualities to you? Do, have you ever been diagnosed with anything like that? Or is it? I haven't personally, but I have the, I have anxiety. I have high functioning anxiety, which I don't medicate or anything for, but it's recognizable. And then I have the fight or flight that kicks in when that starts. And mm -hmm. usually if I just like switch, whatever it is I'm doing, go do something else for a little while, I can come back to it again. And it's not so bad, but yeah, I mean, the same type of 
I mean, I definitely have that. Hey, I'm really working. There's a squirrel. <laughs> literally, sometimes literally like, cause my office window is like right here and there's a couple of trees out there. I'm like, Hey, squirrels. <laughs> Things are going on like... out there. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So I definitely have some of that. Um, if there are days when even the, for me noticing it's harder for me to make eye contact with people mm-hmm. when I'm talking to them, even one-on-one and like, even over Zoom, I have trouble with it at times, which is kind of funny. Like you wouldn't think that would be a big deal, but but it is. And yeah. it's not that I have a problem talking to people or anything like that. It's that weird or looking deep into each other's eyes kind of thing. And it's a little creepy. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and you it feel just puts it. you off a little. Yeah, yeah you do. You yeah. if you feel it and it puts you off just a little bit. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple of them. I would probably say that I've had, you know, I'm in my mid forties now. So I've had a lot of years to kind of compensate for a lot of the issues that people in their 20s are just starting to notice or are realizing that they are a little bit different. So I've had that 20 years of figuring it out, Mm -hmm. pulling myself up by my neurodiverse bootstraps. How's that? (laughs) Yes. I love that so much. I love it so much. That ability to adapt is like, it can be, it's sometimes sad that we had to develop it for some reason but it can be such a superpower in the long run to just say like, yeah, you throw whatever I, I got this, like yeah. I'll just tuck it under my arm and walk away. Like it was no big deal. And, and we can handle whatever comes. Or you go into every single day thinking what's the worst that can happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful state to be in too? Like you can't be mad at that. You're like, eh, eh, yeah. it may, it, you can go 18 months without a paycheck. I mean, <laughs> Whatever works. Well, yeah. That is such that is such an incredible thing that you guys went for so long. So what is next for third element? Do you guys have big future goals coming up or with your book or publishing or what's next for you, Don? Wow. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I wish I did. It would be really cool. Like cool story, bro, but I, I got nothing. Like <laughs> Last year, uh, because of the pandemic and because of, you know, how things kind of worked out, I mean, we have we doubled in revenue, we doubled in um people. We, it was a a tough year for everybody. Um, for your it folks, um, if you haven't yet, please tell them, thank you. Cause like (laughs) literally we've been working around the clock since like last February. Um, so it's, it was, it was a crazy year for us as far as that goes. Um, this year we're looking at at least half the year for much of the same and getting some of that taken care of and you know just getting everybody spun up to where they need to be so that they can be as mobile as they need to be so there's still a lot more craziness coming for the IT people on the planet so i think we're going to see a little bit more growth this year probably about 50% not Amazing. not the like doubling that we saw last year oh, <laughs> we could not again we could not do that again it was a great problem to have but that much crazy in one year when you think about how you structure your growth inside of a company, you have to be structured just right and have everything in place and ready for that to actually happen because you're not talking about growth. You're talking about scale at that point. And yeah. it's completely different when you're, you know, when you're at a person here or there, that's great. You're experiencing phenomenal growth, but you get to a point once you get to that, you know, five, six, seven, eight people where if you don't have things structured correctly, your quality drops off, your service levels drop off, everything starts to drop off because you're not scaling. You're just trying to grow and you can't grow at that point unless you start to scale. Right. That's an interesting distinction. And I like it a lot The because people always throw growth and scaling into like one 
bubble, right? Like they're the same thing and they, they really aren't. They really aren't. And having the infrastructure in place too. And I think that's another thing when, especially people are in that startup phase, they figure they'll get to later, right? You do. You totally do. And one of the things, and, and I know we're going to, I'm going to throw this out here now. Um, I also have a podcast, which is called Rebel Executives, which you're coming on, which I'm so excited about, which is phenomenal. Uh, We focus on all of the, like, you don't get things right the first time. You, You don't, I don't, I don't care what business that you have, what, you know, whatever it is, you're going to screw it up at least once, probably twice, hopefully not the third time, but <laughs> hopefully you learn eventually <laughs> you get there eventually. But yeah, when we bring in experts on the podcast to talk through all of the crazy stuff that we have all experienced in one way, shape or form so that you don't have to screw it up it, the first oh, time, even beautiful. That's so beautiful. You say it in such an eloquent way. I swear a lot just in general. And that's just a, a authentic piece of who I am. But in our, in our space, we say, you're going to fuck it up the first time. Like it you is, know, I, I didn't know if it was that kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> totally. A hundred percent be you do Sweet. you boo. Yes, absolutely. But that's, I mean, it's a, it's to the, like, we have it with people who want to put it on a t-shirt because it's something we say so often in, in the idea that quit trying to make it perfect because you're not going to, it's so much easier to just get the first time out of the way because you're not going to do it right anyway. So do it, learn from your mistakes and do it again and stop trying to make everything perfect before you do anything. And then that whole analysis paralysis and everything else, but jump in because you're going to screw it up. So exactly. And then if I can save you from pieces of screwing up, like make it a little easier so that it's not a complete dumpster fire. Perfect. But do it because you're never going to have it perfect and then have a thick enough skin that when it comes back at you, you can look at it and be like, okay, this is what worked. This is what didn't. It's not like my fault. I'm not, you know, I, I don't identify with any of those issues. They're really just out there and I can pick it apart and make it better for next time. Should always exactly. Just and it. I mean, do postmortems on tons of things that way you can look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, because that's what we call our postmortems. They're the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because it's it's much more fun than postmortem. Who wants to do that? You want to do the good, the bad, and the ugly. So mm. at least that way you can start out with, you know, these are all the things that went well. This is the good stuff. This is what went bad. And this is what was just completely ugly. And we need to really fix that for next time. Oh, that's beautiful. This part was a dumpster fire, it turns out. But <laughs> exactly. Only parts of it. Only parts <laughs> of it. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Well, I am going to keep you on with me so that we can teach the power players. I think about postmortems. I think if you we're down for just continuing on that path. Let's do that. But for our episode, this is going to be it. Thank you so much, Don, for joining us for today. If you want to know more about anything about Don, check the show notes. We've got links to everything, her book, her programs. Um, she can do an audit for your company. If that's what you need for your tech problems during this stay at home and do your thing, uh, pandemic that we're still going through. If you want more information on the podcast itself, on where your best clients are on anything as far as our membership group, our free group. You can go to powerhousepod.co and get all of that information. Don, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you more than you know. All right. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. 